We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Front Office Friday! Trade deadline edition almost. No, I was not (laughs) expecting that. I was not prepared, Keith, for the trade deadline edition almost. It feels like it. It feels Uh, like it is a trade deadline edition. Still. Still, oh my, I could, I thought, as we were starting this show, I thought, you know, I could not be more excited for a show. I was wrong. I was so wrong. I am more excited now that you added that in. That was absolutely fantastic. Keith, I think we need to start with this. Um, I, I, I need to read back to you the last text that you sent me. Okay. The last, the last text that you sent me is one sentence. It says, this stupid, amazing league, period. Yep. What What do you mean by that? <laughs> There's just so much dumb, silly stuff happening. <laughs> and it's all dumb, silly stuff that makes the league so great. It's This is the best soap opera you could ever possibly follow. Plus, there's games involved, too. So, it's yeah, it, it, yeah it, it's amazing. It's WWE, but the endings aren't scripted, at least <laughs> yeah. as as far as we know. Yeah, um, according to most, uh, most. There's a corner yes. in the internet that believes otherwise, but sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, let, let's start with the with the Jonathan Kaminga thing, because I think part of it, you and I were responding a little bit to that um, yep. story coming out that that Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, this was what this was from Shams, as I recall. Right. Um, Jonathan Kaminga would. Uh, is frustrated with his playing time, didn't play the final 18 minutes of the Warriors' loss. And by the way, it was a crazy loss. Nikola Jokic uh, shot puts in a three from well beyond the three-point line to to win the game at the buzzer. Uh, and the Warriors off the lose. And, <laughs> off the dribble, yes. And, and Kaminga is now disillusioned with the notion that Steve Kerr is the guy to believe in him and develop him moving forward and allow him to become the player that he wants to be, which suggest that Jonathan Kamega would like out of Golden State. Where where does all of this go? Like he was already potentially a trade chip for the Warriors if they're trying to get win now help, although I think he's been good enough this season to where like maybe you just keep him because you can win right now with him. But does this now push Kamega firmly onto the trade market? Yeah, I'm thinking this is close. Now maybe this sparks one of those classic hey, we talked it out, and he plays 30 minutes the next game, and everything's good, and we're all happy now. We just needed to clear the air and all that. That could be. But I think this is more likely to be one of those situations where this is Kaminga saying, I'm done. Like, I haven't been able to lock down a consistent starting spot for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is on him. But then it seems to be, now I'm starting, but I can't finish games. I want to say somebody said didn't play the last 18 minutes or something like that uh, of the game last night. So that is Mm -hmm. a a huge uh, challenge for him as well. So that becomes, how do you, how do you rectify that? Once a player loses full faith in a coach, it works the same way as when a coach loses full faith in a player, it's probably not going to work and it's not going to happen in that location. So I think there is a very 
good chance that Kaminga basically is open for trade now, whether that's teams Mm -hmm. reaching out or the Warriors putting him in the trade offers or whatever it is. They've got some other salaries that they could move around, but I think that's where we're at at this point. Jonathan Kaminga in last night's game played 19 minutes total. Now he played 34 the game before that. He played 34 minutes the game before that. He averaged 24.4 minutes in the month of December. But Mm -hmm. I think if you're Jonathan Kaminga and you're seeing the numbers that he's putting up, right? He's at, uh, just to give you December, in 24 minutes, he's averaging 16 16 and 5, right? In in 24 minutes. In his mind, he's got to be thinking, man, if I'm playing 35 minutes a night, I'm pretty pretty damn close to being a 20-point-per-game score, and that completely changes my standing in the league, changes the way that, that teams look at me, and the only thing holding me back is, is just not quite getting enough minutes here. And then to go and lose a frustrating game and only play 19 minutes, my guess, and it's only that, is that that notion probably boiled over and led to this coming out from Shams. Yeah, I think that's definitely it. Now, if we go into tradable well what's the deal he yep. is uh you know he is six million dollars so you know eminently tradable anybody in the sure. league can put together six million dollar trade package so that's a uh you know thing where you know that's pretty easily done so uh he's got 7.6 million left next year i bet for kaminga there's a thought too hey i'm extension eligible this summer <clears throat> if i'm not gonna play I need to be in a place where I can really like prove to them, hey, you should invest big money in me on an extension if it's not going to be the Warriors. And for a lot of reasons, it may not be the Warriors. They we, we don't know what's gonna happen with Clay Thompson at the end of the season, but we've got Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, all under big money contracts still to go. We don't know what will happen with Chris Paul in his deal either, but the Warriors are going to be well over the tax again. So they may be looking at and saying, yeah, we don't know how far we can go with Jonathan Kaminga, especially again, if they're not fully sold on what he's going to be as a player. So I would say we're, you know, just under five weeks to the trade deadline. I would absolutely be keeping my eye on Jonathan Kaminga as part of a trade from the Warriors. I don't yeah. know that it'll be just him, but as part of something. And we'll see, you know, where, where that comes. Keith, there's a report that's just hitting social media too that Moses Moody is also frustrated, almost as though like, like did Jonathan <laughs> Kaminga find out that Moses Moody was going to put out that he was frustrated, and then he just decided to beat him to the punch? Like when you hear one of your coworkers is going to go ask for a raise, you better slide in there real quick and ask first. Is that is yeah, that right? what happened here? Yeah, I mean maybe you know, and, and I, I'm not. We talked about this extensively yesterday, but is this like the six sources that are frustrated with Darvin Ham? <laughs> right. right. Like, you know, one person's like, I'm saying something. Somebody's out, it's like, yeah, me too. Like, I'm gonna get it <laughs> off my chest as well. And then the next thing you know, half the guys are, you know, speaking up. I, I think the Moses Moody, similar to Kaminga, a little less proven, I think, of a player. But also these two guys, I think, have watched Trace Jackson Davis and Brandon Pajemski, who play their positions, respectively, come in and play over them. And now it's very clear this is not necessarily a young player thing for Steve Kerr. It's a these two players thing uh, for Steve Kerr. So Moody, if we want to get into that one, he mm-hmm. is at this year $3.9 million, even easier to trade for him, $5.8 million next year. And again, another guy who's extension eligible next summer, it may be thinking, get me somewhere and maybe I could get one of those um, type of extensions like Aaron Neesmith signed or Cole Mm -hmm. Anthony's is probably a little rich, but one of those lower end extensions, but I can still lock in 11, $12 million a year and feel pretty good about it. If a team acquires me, I show out over the next couple of months and they feel really good about where we're going. So it's something's going to come to fruition here with the uh, Warriors, and it's probably going to involve at least these two young guys. Somebody in our chat said, shouldn't Detroit be all over this? But the rumor that came out today, and we'll get into the Jake Fisher piece, was that the Pistons are still putting it out there that they want to be a buyer here. Now, I guess this would be kind of 
their MO if they if they want to be a buyer in terms of uh, of adding players to actually put around Cade Cunningham and not just go for draft picks. These guys are young enough to potentially fit. So they they could potentially work out there. But what do you think about Detroit as a landing spot for them? And really, what, what should the Warriors be trying to get in return? Is it solely win-now pieces? I, I think it has to be. Ideally, they would not be win-now like 35-year-old players or anything like that. It would be more of win-now guys with a... Um, with we're bringing these guys in and we really feel like we can have these guys and have them for the next three, four years, kind of the Mm -hmm. curry window, right? They can lift us. They can help move us forward. That's probably what you're looking for because I don't think you're in a position where you can say, ah, we're just going to move them out for younger guys or draft picks or anything like that. Cause I don't think that flies with curry and green and Thompson. And even right. Wiggins and Chris Paul and those guys, like, I think those guys are going to say, well, what are we doing? Like we're giving up on this season, go get us some guys who can actually play and help. And then we, we kind of keep moving forward. So yeah, those bad teams, Detroit, Charlotte, uh, Portland, to some extent, San Antonio, their rosters leans a lot younger than some of those other ones. But if they've got veteran guys, yeah, if Kaminga and Moody could be a part of something towards a trade package, then maybe you 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 get things moving in that direction where those guys go, and now we bring in helpful veterans that can kind of lift us. They lost last night, but they are let's see, they're sixteen and eighteen, so they're a half game behind the Lakers and you know kind of that bottom of the play in tournament. But they're mm-hmm. only four and a half games out of the top six, so it's not like the Warriors are season is over. You know you're going to be lucky to make the play in. It's going to have to be a great run. But they're in a fight now versus feeling like, all right, we're, we feel pretty good about where we're at. They've just lost too many games like last night's game where they probably should have won. And it all slipped away from them. They fell apart late. I also saw something about they didn't generate a shot within 10 feet in the fourth quarter or something like that. The um, entire the fourth game, quarter? which It's something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it went by social media so fast. Um, scrolled through through tweet deck. So I, I couldn't find it again, but if that's true, boy, that's, that's tough to, to have happen and then justify not playing, um, not playing, uh, uh, Kaminga. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when he's, he's a guy that can get you to the rim. At least you're 28% from three on the season. Those there's perhaps some justification there for why 7% last year though. So that starts to become a, which one's more real. Right. Right. It, it's probably really like his rookie year where he shot 34 percent. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. probably right there in the middle. And that's that's what's fine. Real, but yeah, I mean, that's good, fine for a guy. It's four. Yeah. You're not getting played off the floor if you're shooting 34. Now, if you're shooting 30 percent or 28 percent, take a seat. You know, you, yeah. you can't can't do that. All right. Um, well, one other thing. Sorry, with coming yeah, before yeah. we move on. I'd keep an eye for some of the more expensive teams in the league. Boston, mm. Phoenix, Milwaukee. Very acquirable number for them. That that's that's a key part for those teams. They don't necessarily have a way to go get somebody who makes twenty million dollars on the trade market. Right. Heck, we've talked about it with Boston. It's hard for them to get somebody who makes twelve million, six million. That's an acquirable number. You get them next year. Maybe you're the team that works out a long term extension with them, and now you kind of kind of build it up. Chris D says he missed the yell. Can we do it again? Absolutely not. You know the rules. Got to be here on time. Watch the replay. That's that's right. That's right. Uh, Your Highness Charles oh, chimes man. in. Checking in. Yeah, checking Thanks, checking in. Yeah. Um, it says, fellas, my nets feel kind of directionless right now. Do they say fellas in England? <laughs> I don't Maybe know. they do. Chaps. I, I get chaps. I get that we don't own you our know, own start picks. Start over. You have to read this whole thing in a British accent. Oh, no. I can never once in a while do it, but like if I'm focusing on doing a British accent, it just does not come out right. I wind up just being offensive. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that was the idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, let me see. I have to channel <laughs> right, like some some J- some Johnny Depp here, <laughs> fellas. My nets feel kind of directionless right now. I get no that that turned a little more Australian. Oh, this is just bad. <laughs> I'm gonna move on. I get that we don't own our own picks, but doesn't it make sense to cash in on Bridges slash Claxton? Now, <laughs> that was the best right? moment in the history of the show. This show is <laughs> off the rails, and it's like 15 minutes in. Um, come on, come on, mate. 
<laughs> uh, throw another shrimp on the barbie. Oh, um, no. <laughs> we went full Australian there. Uh, not Bridges. No, I, I, I just think Bridges is so good and on such a good contract. But I think you have to kind of own, is Bridges a number one? Is he number two? Is he a number three? Is he a high-end number two? Well, that's what the Nets have to decide now is what is he? Like, what what do we really want Mikhail Bridges to, to be? Where do we see him as? And then that can start to guide your roster decisions moving forward. If you believe he's a number one and we're going to gonna run with him, then I think you, you can start to move other guys. But if it's like, yeah, he's probably more of a number two, then it might be, all right, well, then maybe Claxton, Cam Johnson, Cam Thomas, maybe that starts to become the trade package to go get a, a number one along with they don't own their own draft picks, but they have some other ones now. So that's something that they could do. But bottoming it out this year just doesn't make sense for them because the only pick that they had this year was their own, but it goes to Houston. So they don't have any of those extra picks yet. Those start coming in after this season. So that's where it gets a little bit tricky for the Nets. Yeah. Um, I, I still, we talked about this the other day on the show. I still think you build around bridges, but, uh, but I'm, I'm high on him. I think that he can ultimately yeah. be a number one guy. Although I think he is a little bit older than most people realize. Isn't he like 27 yeah, he's not or 23? Yeah. Right. Which I tend, when I think of him, I think he's like 25 or something and he's not, he's not really, he, is, recall. he will be 28 this summer. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, not, okay. definitely not young anymore. So in terms of his his window to truly like make that leap, he kind of needs to do it like next year. By by next mm-hmm. year, he's re- I mean, and not say he's not good right now. He is. He's he's a really good player. But to make that true, if he's going to be that one A guy, he probably needs to get there by next year. Um, Let me make sure all right. I have that dude. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's twenty seven right now. August thirtieth, he'll turn twenty eight. So Clock yeah, he's ticking. So a little older than I thought too. Ritual King, Kelton Johnson to the Lakers. Can he help with scoring? Sure, he could, but how are you getting him? That's the question, right? Yeah. How, and, do, you, how do you actually and, get him? And I got to pull up this first sheet. Yeah, he makes about, what is it, 16, 17 million this season. I um, mean, somewhere uh, in that range. 20, 20 this season. Well, he goes 20, 20, oh, he's, on a, he's on the declining contract. Yeah, that's right. Four years, uh, 74 million left. So 20 million. So you're talking D'Lo or Hachimura. Mm-hmm. Need to be your reasonable trade matching plus uh, to get him. And then that takes them out of a bigger trade later using those guys or a different, bigger trade. And that's where I think it, I, I don't know that Johnson is that big of an upgrade for the Lakers um, that I would do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's just, it's more the, and I like Kelton Johnson a lot, but it's more the opportunity cost that you'd be concerned with there. Uh, Ryan Barnes said, love the content. I was hoping you could explain how a trade exception can be used in, in a trade with an example. And can you also stack trade exceptions? Well, uh, Keith, as I recall, your Celtics used a trade exception in a deal um, not too long ago. They generated one in the, the Gordon Hayward deal. Was that was that the one that I'm thinking of? It was Golden yeah, Hill, mean, or was it the Evan Fournier for some reason? Yeah, something like that yep. is, is striking yep, a bell, yeah, is ringing created, a bell as well. Yep, they created what at the time was the largest trade exception in NBA history because mm-hmm. Hayward was a sign and trade to to the uh, uh, Charlotte Hornets. So they created a massive trade exception. They used that to bring in Evan Fournier, then created a, another trade exception uh, when they traded signed and traded Evan Fournier to the Knicks. Uh, they use the remainder of the Hayward trade exception actually to bring in uh, Josh Richardson uh, mm-hmm. in that deal. So that was was another uh, uh, you know, usage there. But an example right now, let's just use a real world one. They have a $6.2 million trade exception from the Grant Williams sign and trade to Dallas. So uh, that, that also involves base year compensation. So that means he only counts as half. But let's say $6.2 million. That That is what their trade exception is. We just went over Jonathan Kaminga makes 6.1 million. So in this case, Boston could trade for Jonathan Kaminga. It's hard for them to match salary for a lot of guys in trades, but that's a way you can bring them to the last part of Ryan's question. You can't stack trade exceptions and you can't combine them with any other exceptions either, or you can't combine them without going salary. What that means is if you have a $10 million trade exception 
in a $10 million player salary, you can't go get $20 million. You're not allowed to do that. You can break trade exceptions up. Like we said, the Hayward one was used to acquire Fournier and Josh Richardson, but you can't combine trade exceptions with anything else to, to bring in more salary another way. Now, what you could do, though, is a trade exception plus whatever. I mean, you could do a $10 million trade exception and three first-round picks to acquire yeah. player X. Yep. If, if you, and you, you can, can do a $10 million trade exception plus a $10 million player that can go out. You just can't bring in a $20 million player. You could only bring in whatever that player or the trade exception match on their own. Um, in and that. So you're, you're allowed functionally, to send them out in trades. Yeah. Let's say, let's say the league you're, let, let's just pretend you you've got a trade exception for 10 million and a player for 10 million. And you're going to trade that for two players that each make $10 million. The league would process that as two separate trades, even though Correct. that may get reported as, one, four, or three-player trade with the trade exception involved. Yeah, what happens at this time of year, and especially at the trade deadline, reporting comes in as they're trading player X and Y for player Z. And what really happens is it's really player Y's going into a trade exception. Player X is a salary match. Maybe there's a new trade exception created, something like that. Um, teams are allowed to, when they actually make a trade, they can can functionally process the trade in the way that is most beneficial to them. So if that means a minimum player goes in via the minimum exception, which means you don't have to match, that's fine. Or if you um, send the player in uh, via you know the minimum exception, but you need that $2 million in the trade, you can do that as well. Uh, teams mm -hmm. are allowed to do that. And that can mean trades look different on both sides in a trade, but in the end, as long as it's all cap legal one way or another, whether it's one big trade or, or chunked up into several smaller trades functionally, it doesn't matter. And for practical purposes, we never jump on like the reporters who are like, well, they didn't report it this way because it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter. It's player X and Y for player Z. That's all anybody needs to know. So that's kind of a spot where it just makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, to, to report it that way. Somebody asked how are trade exceptions generated? How a trade exception is created, it's when you send out more salary for one player than you take back for that one player. So if you can, and let's keep using our 10 million example, if you can send out 20 million in salary but bring back 10 million somehow, you can then go into a place where you create a $10 million trade exception. It's the mm -hmm. difference in those player salary and you only get it if you're already over the salary cap. But that doesn't, you don't generate that trade exception. If you have players stacked up, say you trade for three players that are worth a combined 30 million and you send out 35 million, that wouldn't generate a $5 million trade exception. It would. It's okay. only on the sending side. The sending, the sending side can only right. generate a trade exception for one player as the salary matching piece. So you could take in three guys uh, for 30 million send out the 35 in your example. And yes, you would create a $5 million. It's just that one player. You can't, you can't do two players for 40 million, bring in 30 million. You don't create a $10 million. That's not how it works. It's only for the one player going out on the sending side. And processing deals in terms of um, whether or not, whether a deal gets reported as all one big thing when really it gets chunked up at, 99% of the time, it doesn't matter like how the trade actually goes through. We still are going to look at it in terms of the big, you know, the big overall deal. It almost mattered though, with that that Gary Payton deal that that started that looked yeah. like it was going to fall apart, where they didn't chunk it up. They tried to put it through as one big deal. And then one piece in a four-team trade suddenly became questionable and it put the entire trade in jeopardy. But again, that was very a very rare situation. The vast majority of the time, it doesn't matter how the league actually puts through the trade versus how it gets reported. It all ends up the same. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what we, we will, you guys will hear this as hopefully more trades come yep. out over the coming weeks or trade deadline day or whenever they are, we will often say there's going to be something more to this trade, whether that's the salary matching isn't quite there or a player needs to be waived to fit the, the new players coming in. We will reference that a lot. And you just basically, as the reporting comes out, once you get the tweet from Woj or Shams, 99.99999% of the time, 
the the major components are done. It's going to be mm-hmm. the other little stuff that will trickle out later that will come out. And you may even get hours later, hey, this team, and sometimes it's when somebody like me has actually had a chance to sit down, put it into my cap sheets, work it through. Oh, hey, this team you know should have created a $10 million trade exception or whatever it may be uh, in there. It's just it, it all of that stuff takes a little bit of time to process through. All right. Ben asks, thoughts on D'Angelo Russell, Torian Prince, Gabe Vincent, and a second for Kyle Kuzma and Tyus Jones. Well, the report from Jake Fisher that came out today said the Wizards would indeed consider moving on from Kyle Kuzma, but they want multiple firsts for him. Do you see he just got a new deal over the summer? Do you think he's a value on that contract? And do you see the Wizards getting that that asking price? Yeah, I mean, maybe they might get that asking price. This is not enough. For no, that kind of trade, and that, for and that yeah, that's why if they're looking for first, that's not, yeah, and even if they're part. not, it's just on you know, we need multiple first. This just isn't none of those guys do anything for Washington. So, right. the only value piece for the Wizards, unfortunately, would be the second round pick, and that's not clearly enough. The rest of the guys, that's just matching salary. And- Right. And that's not to say these aren't players who have value, sure. but they don't have value to a team that's in a in rebuild. Washington. Correct. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because D'Lo, in this case, probably picks up his player option, and now they're just sitting kind of there. And Washington's also not in a spot where it's like, we have to get off Kuzma's contract. They just gave it to him. So I don't mm-hmm. think, think that would be a thing. But yeah, the value, uh, that maybe, right? I, I don't know. I mean, this is the time of year where everybody's like, hey, I need you know, a million first round picks. And then it's like, yeah, well, good luck. You're not, you're not going to get them. So I, I don't know. That, that's we'll, a little, we'll give you a, a second rounder deal. Right. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's not how that's going to go, go down. So I think that's right. the, the challenge. I don't think, I don't think Washington gets multiple first back unless it's like one real first and then a, you know, top 20 protected first or something. And maybe you're taking back a salary that's, that's undesirable or something like that. And you're paying for that. Yeah. That, that Mm -hmm. could be, be a way that works out. You know, we'll see, but yeah, Ben, your, your value is just a little off because to the wizards, here's just a general recommendation because Trevor gets this to primary Mm -hmm. Lakers. I get it for the entire league covering the whole league in general. People send us fake trades constantly. The biggest, I, I don't, I rarely, rarely will evaluate any of them because that's just like uh, now I've turned that's like moths to the flame because then I'll get 900 other fake trades dropped in my mentions. But what you end up, my biggest thing that I recommend everybody doing it is. So I'm going to assume if Ben's a Lakers fan, think about would Washington do this when you when you think through your fake trade it just because it works in the trade machine, that doesn't necessarily work. So I think you send it out. You take a look at it or you you come up with your idea, then look at it from both sides. I always work off of the Real GM trade and transaction forum, which is a fun place. If you love this stuff and you want to come up with fake trades and get people's thoughts on them, the number one rule is you have to put in your trade justification why both sides should or would do it. And that's mm-hmm. been hugely helpful to me when I think through, think through these things of, yeah, yeah, this side probably wouldn't do it. So I think that becomes a little bit of a different different thing there. Yeah, it, usually if a trade if you're if you're looking at a, a trade and you could see reasons why fans of both sides would be kind of like, eh, I don't know if I would do that. That's when you know you probably have a pretty fair deal. If you can see both sides being uncertain or or even <laughs> yeah. angry about the trade, then you've probably yeah. got a good deal. Uh exactly. Senpai said three team trade. Murray, so uh, DeJounte Murray Capella D'Lo, Wendell Carter Jr., and more. So basically saying that a, a three-team trade between the Hawks, the Magic, and the and the Lakers? I mean, you're not telling us who's landing where. Who's going anything, where. So there's no, I I mean, I don't know. Like, the Lakers, the Magic don't need Clint Capella. I think the Magic would love to grab DeJounte Murray for themselves before they'd help yeah. the Lakers get him. So I, I don't know. That's too, there, there's, you got to tell us more. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Senpai's my guy. He thinks through this stuff sure. on, a, on a different level. So I know he's got, got more yeah. to this. I'm sure he's got something. So I'll keep yeah, an eye on throw see more back in with. there. You don't, you don't have to do another super chat. If you just want to throw it in the chat, we'll find him. We'll, yeah. we'll come back to it. But yeah, give it, give us a little more detail. Uh, TK said, do the Lakers only have one first round pick to put into a trade right now? Uh, correct. Yeah. They only have one uh, tradable first round pick right now. Now that would change this summer. And some of it depends on what the Pelicans do with the 2024 mm -hmm. first or 2025 first and how well that looks. But, uh, but yeah, for right now, for this year, the trade deadline, they can put in, they can put one first into a deal. And I believe that they, the Lakers, so there could be things that could happen. The Lakers could incentivize the Pelicans to make that decision, but it would have to be through another transaction. They would have mm -hmm. to say, Hey, make, make the decision right now. And we'll give you, a second round pick or something like that. And we'll take back player X. Um, so that could be a thing, but I believe if I remember correct, and I'll try to uh, look this up and confirm it, they gets one week uh, ahead, of, ahead the, of the draft, the draft, or it might be ahead of the lottery. If, hmm. if the team's in the lottery, I can't remember that part of it, but I know it's at the very latest. It's one week ahead of the draft. Yeah, they so they've they've got a little while to, to yeah. they'll know where the Lakers sit the in the standings before they yeah. right before they make the decision. So, yeah. um, so that's and something that it, that we'll keep an eye on. The going assumption on that, I actually asked some folks about that when they were in town uh, here in Orlando for the showcase. Was if the Lakers somehow are a lottery team, you take it this year. Anything else, yeah. you let it roll over a year because it's if it's seventeen to. 25 doesn't really matter or 30 like that part whatever yeah you you're getting a late second but if they're in the lottery yeah you definitely take the chance then of hey we'll snag this right now and obviously clearly we won't know that till either they clinch a top six spot or until after the play-in tournament so that's not going to be decided anytime soon which does hamstring the lakers that and that protected pick they owe to utah those now, two thinking, things kind of get them a little tied up thinking this through what what would the Lakers like if the let's say the Lakers got the Pelicans to make the decision right now? Mm -hmm. What would be the the preference? Because if they if they say okay, we'll take twenty twenty five, well then twenty twenty four isn't tradable at the trade deadline. If they take twenty twenty four, is twenty twenty five then tradable? I guess. Well, no, because then it would be no. touching the twenty twenty four pick. Twenty twenty six isn't tradable because it's touching the twenty twenty seven pick. One. Not right now. There isn't one. Yeah. Right. You would want them to do it at the. You would want to know. No, if they take twenty twenty five. You could then maybe work a pick a draft day trade using the sure. 24. You could, you could do that. Good. I'm just saying it doesn't help them at the trade deadline this year. Sure. Like to, to give up something at a trade right now for them to make the decision now doesn't help you. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's just that's more of a pie in the sky could be a thing yeah. that happens, but probably not. All right. Uh, Ellie said, was it a mistake to trade SGA for Paul George? I mean, I mean, in retrospect, yeah, probably. Sure. But you but don't you make that trade, Kawhi. you don't get Kawhi Leonard. So, right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, if we want to do full, uh, uh, you know, revisionist history, yeah, you haven't gotten the return out of those two guys you hoped for. You've had a bunch of injury-filled years, and they haven't been been very good. They've been good, but not very good. So that becomes a challenge. But, yeah, you don't make Paul George trade, you don't get Kawhi Leonard. You know, that story, unfortunately, is still yet to be written because the Clippers haven't finished this run with those guys yet. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, DB Farr said, Keith, you should create a class for aspiring front office workers. I'm in school for business and planning for law school would definitely invest. Doesn't, well, that kind of exists. Yeah, it does exist. Sports business classroom, uh, which yep. Bobby Marks. VSPN is now the the like head instructor of uh, Eric Pincus is also involved uh, with Sports Business Classroom uh, that exists. It's in in Las Vegas. They also have online uh, offerings that you can get into too. So I would check that out. You just Google Sports Business Classroom, um, and it'll tell you all about it. Uh, we had if you're in school for business and law school, uh, planning for law school rather. Um, I just did what a couple months ago. I was out in. Uh, Phoenix with the Arizona state did a mock trade deadline uh, competition where, you know, we went out there and 
uh, law students from all over the country. Some came in as teams all from the same law school. Some came in from other law schools, came in, uh, and some not even law schools, just, you know, other programs where it made sense came in and they went through a mock trade deadline and we had a lot of fun with that and talked through all of it. So yeah, I would, um, look into those options if that's what you want to do. The really cool thing is I wish all of this stuff existed when I was in college because right. it, it didn't, there was nothing like any of this stuff. Basically, if you wanted a job in, um, the front office, you needed to know somebody like that was how you were going to get, get in, into a position like that, or you had to really, work and grind and internships, making coffee and getting the dry cleaning and that stuff to, to get in there. Now there's all these really cool ways that you can get a foot in the door. The really cool thing about sports business classroom, when they do the event in Las Vegas, the in-person week long event over summer league, they bring in all kinds of people um, in with uh, people who come in and uh, from the league, from front offices, uh, people who are agents, people who are in part of the broadcast production, you're going to get tons of connection and come out of that. So I would really think, um, you know, getting into stuff like that is, uh, you know, I would look at that. If, if, if that's a path you can afford, it is an investment, but again, think about it. It's your career, right? So you want to really, you know, put a lot of time and money into it and hopefully it'll all pay you back in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. And you say that wasn't around when, when we were in school and all that kind of stuff. And you're absolutely right. But that, that made me think, Keith, I remember one of my first college classes, like orientation classes or something like that, them telling us about this new thing called Google. We're, we're kind <laughs> yeah. of, we're kind of old tell, telling us about the benefits of using the new Google search engine. Um, right. So, so this was also a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh yeah, th things work a little bit differently for sure. Um, Senpai said, uh, Mosley's gone away from Wendell Carter and leaned on Goga and Mo. Uh, thought process is they get D'Lo and Rui to help their shooting. So D'Lo, Rui go to the Magic. Hawks get Carter Jr. as a new five, replacing Capella, and they get like Gary Harris. And then he's got like picks, the Lakers sending out whatever picks they can to get yeah, Capella feels... and, and Murray. Still like that, it's light. Hey, that's not a deal Orlando would do. Um, Rui wouldn't necessarily really have a big place on that team. They already have a bunch of other forwards. So he doesn't really make sense for them, especially the longer term uh, aspect of his contract. D'Angelo Russell could help right now in a vacuum, but I think if they wanted to do something like that, they'd just cut the Lakers out and try to take Murray for themselves. They, yeah. they, they'd plus it up with draft picks or whatever they had to do to rebalance that to get him themselves. Um. Mike has a question said, Hey Keith, if a team trades for a player who can't be extended because of salary structure, i.e. marketing, do they still get bird rights at free agent time? In most cases, yes. Um, yeah. they still the player retains their bird rights. The one difference is if a player's on a one-year contract uh that they signed and would have bird or early bird rights after they lose those, which is why they get the de facto no trade clause. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they can turn that down because they would lose their bird rights. So anybody who signed the qualifying offer or anybody who signed a one-year contract or a one-year contract with a player option after it, um, those players would, would uh, lose their bird rights if they're traded. The Lakers ran into this, what, Trevor, like three, four years running. Yep. Something mm -hmm. like that with a handful of different guys. I remember JaVale McGee, yeah. KCP. Yeah. A number KCP of them. He was like the original poster boy of everybody wanted to throw him in every trade. And it was like, well, if he'd approve it, if he'd approve yeah. it, uh, the Lakers also very famously, we're going way back here. They had one of the most famous cases of a player blowing up a trade because of Devin this George. One. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He, he blew, blew that up because he you know, was like, no, I, I don't want to go. And it was the same thing. He had his uh, stuff here. So, so that's a uh, thing there, but yeah, to, to big Mike's question. Yeah. They generally still would keep the bird rights in a case of marketing specifically. Yes. The team would acquire him also with marketing. It's not a free agent next summer. He is a uh, partially guaranteed contract next year. So it's a, mm. it was a weird structure. Remember that was the one he signed as part of that weird sign and trade where he went from Chicago to Cleveland very, very late in the free oh, yeah. agency process. Um, and then he got, a, got traded from 
Cleveland to Utah in the Mitchell trade, but he wasn't the guy he was has become when he signed that contract. That's why that final year is partially guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, that's something that occurred to me super late last night. I was thinking about this, um, and I was very sleep-deprived at the moment, but I was just processing trade stuff and thinking about, you know, how teams really find advantages in in the market. And I get get from fans, I see a lot of um, kind of the anti-stock market type of, of strategy. I hear a lot of sell low and buy high, right? Everybody wants a guy that's underperforming off their team and a guy that's playing great on their team and how difficult that can be. And I look at it, trying to look at it from the perspective of, of a GM or, or a team. Sometimes where you, if you are really going to make a leap, it's taking the gamble on a guy that, on, on a guy that can become underpaid on their contract marketing being being an example a guy who really takes that leap then you have the extra flexibility and the benefit of having a guy in a cheap contract i think too about the warriors and how important having steph curry on their contract they gambled on his ankles not becoming a serious problem and that's what ultimately created the flexibility for them to get kevin durant and for them to stack up all these pieces that they did as much as we look at this guy is great. Like I've got a question coming in right now about shouldn't the Lakers go after Donovan Mitchell or what? Like, yeah, these guys are these guys are great players, but for some teams, the best path forward to success may be taking a risk on a guy that has the potential to greatly outperform their contract if a few things break their way. That's what is going to ultimately pull you forward. There's some front offices that won't want to do that because there is that inherent risk, and teams can be very risk averse, but. I think sometimes we don't put enough stock into the idea that buying low on a talent and believing in that talent to become something greater, projecting forward what that player can be is just as if not more important than going out and getting the top tier stars right now. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, that's a lot of this comes down to, and and I don't necessarily like thinking about it this way because even as Mr. Salary cap guy here, they're they're human beings they're players it's, it's dehumanizing right yeah but a lot of this comes down to asset arbitrage right it's what is the production versus the value if the the production is really good versus what we're paying then i'll pay more to go get that in a trade and that that's a lot of what this comes down to it's it's mm-hmm. sometimes it's hey that's a 
that lot has a really terrible house on it, but it's a really great lot. So the bet, so you're buying the lot. You don't really care about the house that's on it because you're going to plow through that anyway and restart. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where it is. And then there's also the extra component of the NBA, as much as the CBA tries to make a very level playing field in the new rules with the, you know, hurting the tax teams and limiting what they can do even more than they ever have before is trying to make it an even playing field. Some teams just have a tolerance to spend more money than other teams do. The, yeah. the Golden State Warriors can spend more money than the Oklahoma City Thunder can. They just can. The market size uh, you know, dictates it. Steve Ballmer owns the Clippers. He can outspend everybody else in the league if he wants to. We talked about it like a week ago. He's made like a billion dollars for doing nothing this year just because he has Microsoft stock. Like in the dividends paid out a billion dollars. Like that's a billion dollars. Like mm -hmm. even the Warriors right now, as expensive as they are, they're like a half a billion dollars in payroll. So Steve Ballmer could literally say, if there was a way, go get me a hundred million, two hundred million dollars more of salary and taxes if it's going to help us win. And he has a tolerance level that maybe the Orlando Magic ownership doesn't have. Because yep. they're going to look at it and say, we we can't take on Zach Levine. It's going to put us in a place where it doesn't make sense, where the Clippers might be like, hell yeah, go get Zach Levine. Who cares? We're just stacking it all up. And that's where it's you have to – these trades are not as simple as, whoa, that seems really unbalanced. Why did that guy go there for such a little return? It has to be thought of in a vacuum of what was good for that team, what was good for the other team. and what did they maybe miss out on that they could have done instead? Yes. And those are the things that for both sides in a trade that you look at and say, all right, I kind of get it. But like even the Knicks Raptors trade, I liked it for both sides, but there's yeah. still a little part of me that says, could you maybe have gotten a more for Barrett and quickly? And what if you did add one or two of your, your real first rounders to that? Was there something more you could have gotten? Even if I really do like OG and Anobi like that, that's just something you have to really factor in. Um, when you start breaking down all this stuff is it's not as simple as it works in the trade machine followed by, well, this guy's good. And this guy's also kind of good. So let's go forward. Sometimes yeah. it is, but it's not always that way. Uh, Ismail said this, that's exactly what the Lakers did this off season, bet on players like Reddish Hayes Wood, and that bum who's getting surgery. So I like, oh, I don't like stuff like that because Gabe Benson yeah. is not choosing to get hurt. Yeah. It's not like it he, he decided to get hurt or something like that. That's yeah. but, and, but I'll say that's not really what I'm talking about. Those are one-year contracts. Those yeah. are those, if anything, are are contracts that are lose-lose because either the guy doesn't isn't an NBA player essentially, and then you're paying them on a minimum deal and you're just taking up a roster spot, or they're pretty good and you're going to lose them at the end of the year because they're only on a one-year contract. I'm talking about yeah. the guys where you say, "Hey, here's a four-year deal, and we're going to bet that you're going to become better than this." And those are you're the, talking the about Lori marketing, right? Like a guy sure, like exactly. that, where it was that contract looked pretty sketchy when he was with Cleveland. It wasn't a bad one, but it was like, eh, that's a lot for what Lori marketing is. And obviously the jazz were felt now we think he could be more, right? We mm -hmm. think he could be more, or maybe the jazz didn't feel that way at all. And the jazz were like, we want four first round picks. Lori marketing's the salary match and we'll figure his, his, stuff out later and marketing grew into that. that it happens happened sometimes to work out. too. For and sure. Don't don't be fooled when teams are like, oh yeah, you know, we saw in him because we knew we all saw along. He had a 20 point game once, you know, we we were the ones watching him. We believed, you know, this that does happen. Don't get me wrong. It happens a lot, but sometimes you just luck into stuff. Luck is a mm -hmm. huge part of all of this. It it really is because sometimes everything looks perfect and then somebody gets hurt. And then it's like, well, what did, what happened here? Like now it all kind of crumbles and falls apart. Sometimes it all looks perfect on paper. And then it's like there, I go back that Celtics team, like Gordon Hayward talked about earlier this week, that 2018, 19 Celtics team on paper was as loaded an NBA team as I've maybe ever seen in this kind of current 30 team era And it. They weren't good because of what he said. They didn't fit. And everybody wanted the ball and everybody had their own agenda. And a, it, you had seven guys with seven different things they were trying to prove. And it, it, that, you know, not to be Mr. Cliche here, that's why you play the games. 
right? None of this stuff. Yep. It all looks good. We think it all works a certain way, but none of this stuff, you know, necessarily works that way. Uh, Brian Walters, let's say this, says smash that like button. Brian's right. Yes, like, please. Get, get, get the likes up for us. Help us out. We get a thousand people. Uh, watching the show. Well, let's get the likes up on, on this because we you know, mm -hmm. I think would really, really enjoy that. It helps, guys. It just helps more people find the show. The more uh, likes. The more it, people it who find out about the show, the better. If you're not a subscriber, hit that subscribe button as Please. well. Uh, we'll do a few more before we wrap up the show for the day. Thank you for answering my questions. Another question. What value do the Warriors trade for Boyan Bogdanovich from Detroit? Moody and Kaminga, I heard you bring up earlier. Is, is Boyan a, a target you think the Warriors should look at for guys the caliber for younger players of yeah. the caliber of, of Kaminga and maybe I, I have Kaminga ahead of Moody I'd imagine most do but but those types of guys yeah I'd probably consider him as a really good target for them if they really felt like we're a guy away from doing what the Lakers did last year making noise making a run through the play in and then being a dangerous playoff team sure I, I think Bogdanovich could help them quite a bit in that respect, I think too for them, it's you got to you're you're going to see them start to turn some salary into other salary because they're very mm -hmm. limited in what they can do. This is their last year to take on salary in any trades. Starting next year, they won't be able to do that. So I'd keep an eye on Chris Paul. That's thirty million dollars of even if it was to a team where it's like, why do they want Chris Paul? Well, his contract's not guaranteed for next year. They could just get out of it completely, and the Warriors could pay off, paid off in draft picks, or maybe they throw you in a if Chris Paul gets bought trade. out. Yeah, yeah, that See, could happen again. Now, remember though, when Chris Paul gets bought out. Teams that are over the apron can't sign him. So teams mm -hmm. that are like, man, we really need a point guard. They could, they can't sign him because you can only if you're like up and the over Suns? the tax apron. Yeah, the Suns or the Lakers or. I don't know. The Clippers aren't really there anymore. They've got Harden, but any of those teams. Well, the Lakers aren't, at, open, aren't over that second apron. They're over the first apron, though. It doesn't. It's any apron team. It's any apron team. Any I so are prohibited. Team, yeah. Well, then why did because the, we we've been talking all about how the Lakers they saved money off the MLE and the Gabe Vincent deal, which they they would be able to use in the buyout market. I've had those they discussions can, with Lakers but that's personnel. Very minimal money, right? That's only like two million dollars. So oh yeah, yeah, sure. Can't, yeah, they just can't go get somebody who makes makes uh, you know that much money. And the Lakers, okay. I should be. Let me rephrase. They're not over the apron. They're four point nine under the first apron. So so they they could then yeah because they, oh, they're under still the first still too. Oh that's yeah, right. Yeah, they're still under the first. They're I over the between tax. the two aprons, but they're not. Yeah, they're yeah, it's the tax. Right. They're, they're over. They're between the tax and the apron and the second apron. It's a it's all. A there's confusing. too many damn aprons at this point, Keith. <laughs> right? Too, yeah, it's like a many. kitchen around. It there. is. Uh, Ellie said, "Who are your second favorite teams?" I don't really have one. I, I mean, I have teams I, I have, get attached. It to changes year by year. That's it. Yep. You know, yeah. like teams I enjoy. Like I, I really enjoy watching OKC play, but that wasn't the case like four years ago. It's not like I've got one team that I just mm -hmm. and I'm just picking a year four years ago. It's, I, it's not like it's the same teams every single year. Or there's like a second team that I go, oh, I really have to watch this team play. No, it's it's who's exciting, who's who's doing some things that maybe weren't expected and and you know, things like that. I tend to there's a couple of things that happened with me when the Celtics had all the Nets picks and then it all fell apart on the Nets. So you watched the I Nets. get super attached to that Nets team because mm -hmm. I was watching them to see if they would lose, and which is weird, <laughs> but I liked Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris and all the guys that they kind of found through their die. I call it the diamond mining process um, with them. I tend to like, I often I'll pick a West coast team to kind of lock in on. Cause that gives me somebody to kind of watch in the late night windows. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of naturally evolves. And then I find myself rooting for a team. Like I was rooting for Denver uh, once Boston was out of the playoffs because they'd never won one. And I kind of wanted to see them win a title. And I thought, you know, that'd be a lot of fun to, to watch that kind of play out that way. As the Warriors came in, like, like being the Warriors, I was all in on that team, which I think they were like everyone's second favorite team in those first couple years. And then they won enough that then everybody was like, no, I don't like you anymore. Go away. Mm -hmm. And you're spending all this money and Draymond Green's a jerk and like all this stuff. And then all the cute things that we all liked that Steph did, they became annoying. And it's like, go away. Like, stop do, doing your dancing and shimmying around. Like, I don't like that anymore. So it's right. right. You live long enough to see yourself become the bad guy or whatever. Exactly. To so, see yeah. yourself become the villain. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep. So either die the hero or live long they, enough to see something. Had the building party or whatever it was, which was that I admit was pretty funny. Like that's you know petty and you know silly, but yeah. All right, let's go to uh, Ali. He said, if you're the GM of the Warriors, what decisions would you make? Trade Wiggins, Clay, or Draymond? Steve Kerr last year, the contract as well. I, I'm considering Kaminga and Moody trades. I'm listening to what's out there, seeing if there's something I can do with Chris Paul's salary. But I want to, if if this is it, I want to give this group has meant too much to Warriors fans. Too many. They've been they've been unquestionably a dynasty in the NBA. I want to give them one one last shot. Yeah, I'm not moving Clay or Draymond. I yeah, I don't even know if you could realistically move Draymond right now that it'd have to probably be taking a loss on a trade. If somebody wants Wiggins, sure, I'm listening to see. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want to take a shot and figure it out. There's there's a sick part of me that's like trade them to the Raptors. Let's put all the Canadian guys on the Raptors and <laughs> see is there like some kind of superpower they get from being home that you know lifts them all up and then then they end up being this you, you, know, you combine them like like infinity stones like you put yeah. them all together yeah, and suddenly they're that all. much more powerful by being by being combined. Yeah, like there's like a Voltron or right was there's it, a multiplication was it Voltron, that Voltron the Lions, the Lions yeah 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 defender so of the universe well Wiggins and Barrett and get uh Maybe get SGA there. I don't want to do that to the Thunder, though. So Kelly Olynyk, get him home to Canada as your center, and off you go. But, yeah, I, I'd be open to listening on a lot more things than I think the Warriors historically are thought of being. But they've made big in-season trades before. They made the Wiggins trade. That was a big in-season trade uh, that they made. So I, I wouldn't rule it out. I think they will uh, get there. I definitely have the theme song from Voltron stuck in my head now. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, no, all that. Yep, that was a good one. Uh, Jimmy said, is there any way the Lakers could just borrow Spolstra? <laughs> like on loan, like we talked about earlier in the week about the loan yeah. system and how that works in, in, in soccer. Uh, it doesn't have to be every day. It could just be weekends for when he's feeling like a challenge. Love, love the show. Love the show, guys. Like he shows up with a sleeping bag. Yeah. He just pop pops in. They, they hey have the coffee because he gets off the plane, and then he's like, "All right, let's get to work." Yeah, that's kind of funny. I don't know that the Heat are, are on board with that. No, Teddy is Lowry a realistic target for LA? I don't know. I mean, the question is, what do the Jazz yeah. want for him? Probably future assets, I'm assuming. Yeah, but um, I mean, I we've heard I, the I, whole five first round picks thing. If which, that's even right, remotely real, then real. no, because the Lakers can't do that. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I love Lakers, fa- Lakers fans, uh, but uh, fans want a ring like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Chemistry is everything. Love watching Ben Carroll play. Oh, they, they, Keith, Keith, can we get an accent? <laughs> I don't know. That I'm going to give you the English accent. It comes out the Boston accent comes out. The though. Boston when I, accent. When I get excited, when I'm really excited, then it slips slips back out. I do it to my daughter sometimes in the car, and it drives her crazy. But come on, what are you doing? How was school today? You know what? What are we doing here? And then she, she gets mad because then she'll be like, "You sound more like you're from New York," which it's because I'm exaggerating it. It does sound a little bit there. Let me ask you a question though. Did you see yeah. Lord? of the rings i have Uh, it's been a long time but yes i have does Gollum deserve more credit in that movie i put this in the group chat and then our buddy josh everly tweeted it to the world it was not meant to be seen by the world but he tweeted it out anyway where i said does Gollum deserve more credit because he actually destroyed the ring like he destroyed that is true and did he start that is true well, because he started looking all, you know, well, I get it. He uh, was a bad, guy, you know, but he's and he became this this bad guy, and yeah. you know, he starts doing all these Weasley things and and yeah. all of that. But I guess technically, he is the guy who, like, like how much credit do you give Darth Vader for throwing the Emperor down that pit, which then oh, ultimately man. didn't wind up killing him because you had to retcon yeah, well, that I mean, when you're doing yeah, Star Wars. But anyway, well, yeah, cut that part out afterwards. But yeah, right. Darth, he was Anakin was the chosen one, and he fulfilled his destiny. Roundabout way to get there. He you know, might have killed a few younglings along along the way. Spoilers True. for thirty year old movies that people maybe haven't seen, but yeah, I don't know. That was just a thought that I had one day watching Lord of the Rings. Gollum deserves more credit. My wife's like, secretly, what is this? he's he's a villain, but show. secretly the hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be that'd be a good. I don't know. A good we'll thought. Uh, that'd be a hey, good Doug rabbit hole to, to go to. Yeah, Doug not Dave McMenamin said hard for Pistons fans, uh, but you two lift my spirit. Thank you. Well, thank you for <laughs> joining us. That. Yeah, we appreciate we that. 
today today uh, started a little random, but sure. It did. It did. Adrian said, how do you guys feel about Rondo as the Lakers head coach with Doc Rivers as an assistant? I don't you know. I, I don't Doc's not do going to do that. No. And like, I don't. Yeah. I, don't I think know. you had I, a, you had a first time head coach already. But I, I had Rondo floated to me the other day as a name. And he was on a podcast recently where he said that he and LeBron, like they planned the Lakers offense. They coached the Lakers offense, essentially. And Frank Vogel just took the defense in the championship year. And I get like Rondo's a brilliant basketball mind. That makes sense. I don't know that that means he's ready to step in and be a, a head coach. But if you figure that you have to make a move, there's not a lot out there in terms of the talent pool right now. I, I don't think he would be the first option or anything, but I mean, yeah. I guess crazier things have happened. Yeah. And so, and it would not happen this way. Doc's not going to doc coaches. Again, he's going to be the head coach. He's not going to be an assistant. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. There was, okay. Yeah. Something I wanted to hit on and I don't know oh, yeah. what it was. Uh oh! Somebody asked how should we should wear actual aprons when talking about the salary cap. Zach Lowe pitched that idea. I think on one of his things is like somebody should get like an apron made and then, but then he wanted something with an anvil or I don't know. He made it weird because that's what he does sometimes. His podcast gets funny sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, John, John forgot to put my question in the super chat. I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, John sent this one. Oh, what was your question, John? Where, where? Is yeah, it? what you We'll hang out for a minute here and, yeah. and take your question before hey, we, we call it a show. Um, yeah. Uh, somebody asked how, how old we both are. I'm 45. So I am. I'm. I'm not 50, the, like what the person suggested. <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm like, the, every once in a while, I forget how old i am yeah i'm like like just, i'll say yeah. the wrong thing i'll be like oh i'm 40 it. oh damn no wait yep. i'm not i'm 41 and i'll be 42 in a few weeks so ah john yeah. good question did you see it just popped in there good one to end on too john balderon what is pop doing with the spurs can he start a real point guard yeah soup this has frustrated me almost since day one i was fine with the sohan experiment but a week or so into the season it was clear it was not going to work it was gonna be a mess. Um dead. Yeah, was not was not there. I um like just and then Malachi Branham at the point you saw with Trey Jones. Trey Jones is not amazing by any means. And he's probably not their long-term answer for point guard when they move forward. But Trey Jones is he is good enough for where the Spurs are right now. Makes the game easier on Victor Wembanyama. Made it a lot easier for Devin Vassell. He created some shots for those two guys that wouldn't have got otherwise. Yeah, I would just start Trey Jones. I'd be in the market for a real point guard. I'd be playing Devontae Graham, who is an actually a point guard and can actually shoot the ball a little bit too, mm -hmm. which would help them. Yeah, I don't fully understand. And it's not necessarily tanking stuff because they're just bad anyway. So uh db far uh super chat spurs should trade for Dejounte back yeah probably not um you know yeah. i don't think that's gonna be a thing but you know we'll, we'll we'll see but yeah i don't i don't think that'll be be a thing that happens but yeah they they that's the biggest thing that they need is that they need a uh they, they need a point guard now you kind of got players at all the other positions not that you're loaded at all the other positions but you you've You've got players at least, but you got to get a point guard. And until then, just play Trey Jones. Like I, I, I don't mm -hmm. messing around with all this other stuff. Just seems like wasting time. Indeed, I, I agree. I agree. Um, somebody said happy. Doug said happy birthday. I, I misspoke. I'm. It's actually like a month until my birthday, but still, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Trey, I think Trey. it's only weeks away. But whatever. I'm, oh, whatever. I like, either uh, way. But somebody appreciate said, it. Can they convince me to join Lakers Nation? No, <laughs> not not as far as a member of Lakers Nation. Uh, we're, we're as a know, as I, I a consider, fan. They're saying, yeah, but, as a fan, no, <laughs> nope. <laughs> but I you, have you said, hung out if, with us in, in Vegas. Yeah, we went I, went to the I team dinner and all that. We had a good time. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. I love the guys. Anytime you guys ever ask me on the show, I have fun coming on the show to talk. Usually, it's when there's trade stuff or salary cap mm -hmm. things. We we always have fun. I I, I hold no disregard for lakers fans in general there's crazy fans but there are 
Celtics fans that I can't stand too. I have I guarantee sure. my largest number of block rates on social media is Celtics fans who are way over the top and you know just Same went for me. way too far. So Locking I don't Celtics like, fans. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, You're I'm, just I'm kidding. Fight, no, no. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, but yeah, I but yeah, I mean, I I generally like a lot of you know Lakers. It's like any giant uh, market, big major franchise team. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fans and there's some some real goofballs in the mix, just just mm-hmm. like there is with the Celtics. Yeah, but I, I will say this. The Lakers ever wanted to hire me. Trevor knows this. I would paint my house yellow and purple if the Lakers hired me to work in the front office. That's how I would uh that, that I would I'd be all in then. I'd rock Lakers gear and root for the team and everything else, but not now. Yeah. Yeah. So but I, I need to make fan, this happen just to see it. Not happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Just yeah. Like, just I own I own one yellow shirt and I own one purple hat. And it's uh and that's only because those are the Orlando City uh colors. But no, I uh I do have a green t shirt. For a long time I had nothing. And now keep this is this is now my superstition because I actually I really like the shirt. I won't wear it on game days. Like if the Lakers play a game, like as I'm going through my closet, I'm trying to pick out what shirt I'm going to (laughs) wear. That's a conscious thought that pops into my head. If I go to grab that shirt, I go, oh, no, wait, it's a game day today. I can't wear this. Yeah, I turned our daughter off. How ridiculous are we, right? Yeah, I turned our daughter off purple and yellow as favorite colors like years and years ago because I was like, nope, especially the purple. I was like, nope. You'd, you'd like pick any other color in the in the rainbow and in the crayon box, but not purple. Nope, not that one. So. We were now she doesn't uh, even like basketball, so I guess uh, whatever. <laughs> a few days ago, I've got my my daughter who's seven. I got her in. We we went to one of those like lids hat stores, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're walking through. My wife's shopping in another store, and we're just I'm just like looking at stuff and everything. And we're walking through, and all there's all the NBA hats. And my daughter's looking at them, and she goes, and she goes, "Well, you're not going to get that one because that's the Lakers' <laughs> enemy." And it was it was a Celtics hat. And I went, "You're right, good job." Yep. You you need yeah. That. That's that's well raised on your end. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, anyway, we're past an hour now. We, we appreciate y'all hanging out. Are. It was a really good show. We will do these every Friday, uh, leading up to the trade deadline, and then trade deadline day, which is on a Thursday. Um, we will be live at some point. We're still going to figure out timing, but we'll be live ahead of the trade deadline ending, and we'll be you know hopefully live reacting to a whole bunch of stuff. It's funny. You get to see the tops and sides of our heads. Cause we're looking at our phones and at tweet deck mm-hmm. and all sorts of other stuff, but we have a lot of fun. We, 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 that that's been one of the more fun days that we have is a trade deadline day in the history of the show. Somebody asked what's going to go on with front off show in 2024. Hopefully just bigger and better. More people coming yeah. out. Hopefully, you know, another round of live shows uh, out in Vegas uh, this coming summer. We had a blast with that. It was cool to see people actually come out and hang out and, you know, to have people come come hang out with us. So, you know, more more, more of what you've uh, been here to expect and just keep telling more people. The more people who know, the bigger the show gets, the more things we'll be able to do, especially together and those kind of things live and in person and all that stuff. We have a lot of fun with all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That will be uh We'll, we'll make 2024 the best yet, and we'll keep growing. That's, it. That's the plan. Get us over 30K. That's, That's the first right. Point. Hit that subscribe button. Going. Hit that subscribe button. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us for Front Office Friday. We'll be back Monday with the latest NBA news. Hopefully, we get a busy weekend. I guess if we get a super busy weekend, we may wind up doing an impromptu show, which is what we wound up doing last weekend with the, the Raptors <laughs> and Knicks trade. But, yep. um, but otherwise, we will see everybody on Monday. Till then, see ya, and stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.